It is poignant that this week's Torah portion is Achare Mot, meaning after death. That is the tragic and dramatic death of Aaron's sons, Nadav and Abihu, and also the week in which we commemorate Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day, which was observed yesterday. You've heard me teach, or you may have heard me teach in the past, about a particular framing for considering the Holocaust that I learned from Dr. Leah Hockman, a professor of mine from rabbinical school, and that framing is posed as a question. Was the Holocaust capricious, that is, a result of sudden and unpredictable events, or was it inevitable, a necessary outcome of German history and European anti-Semitism? Our views on this question are important. If the horrors of Nazi genocide were inevitable, as some streams of Jewish thought argue, then we find little space for possibilities of resistance or alternative futures. In other words, if we perceive the world as fundamentally anti-Semitic, with no possibility for change, then our options are rather limited, and we are left primarily in a defensive posture. On the other hand, if terrible things are possible but not certain, we then find ourselves at the difficult but hopeful nexus of having choices and responsibility. It also means importantly that we can and must learn from the past and impact the future. And somewhat controversially, it means that we must be able to compare contemporary problems in our world to the past, including the Holocaust, so that we are able to identify patterns that should concern us and then use our wisdom and our love and strength to chart a course towards that which is good. Our Torah portion may point us in a similar direction, after death, after a tragedy, who are we? How do we grow? And so it's in this context that I want to speak to you about a contemporary issue in our country today, and very specifically in connection to Yom HaShoah, and that is the current political environment for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer youth in the context of a massive rise in LGBTQ and especially transgender legislation. I know you probably didn't see that coming, but I got your attention, right? And unobvious connections are always an important place of learning, in, in my view. So let me first be really clear. I am not suggesting that anything happening in our country is a Holocaust or a genocide, okay? Got that? No one leave here thinking that. Rather, I am joining other LGBTQ people and allies in sounding the alarm about a specific type of political discourse because in part, I think that the lessons of the Shoah demand this of us. Specifically, when any minority group is used as a scapegoat, we post-Holocaust Jews have a special obligation. One way to honor the memories of Jewish ancestors who were murdered is to have a sharp analysis of what is happening around us in our world today and to believe and act like we can impact the future, that we can make it better. So a few data points I want to share with you from GLAAD, which is now just called GLAAD, but it used to be known as the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. 29 states have bills to restrict transgender youth health care. 
including a bill passed in Alabama making it a felony. 48 bills have been proposed to ban transgender youth from sports, passing into law this year in South Dakota, Oklahoma, Iowa, Kentucky, and Utah. Seven states are attempting to block bathroom access for transgender and nonconforming youth. Arizona, Iowa, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Virginia. And 17 state bills are out there to restrict or prohibit LGBTQ inclusive and or race inclusive curricula and books, including Washington, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. And five states have a so-called don't say gay bill, prohibiting conversations in schools about sexual orientation and gender identity, the best known being Florida's, which was signed into law in March. Critically, this environment creates a dangerous, dangerous situation for LGBTQ people and especially for youth. Regardless if the legislation passes, and much of it hasn't, it contributes to serious mental health issues. A 2021 survey from the Trevor Project a leading crisis and suicide prevention organization serving LGBTQ youth showed 85% of transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming youth report declining mental health from state bills proposed to restrict the rights of transgender people. The Trevor Project also reported that crisis contacts to them jumped 150% after dozens of bills were filed in Texas. Dr. Ten, uh, Dr. Natasha Palopoulos, a pediatric psychologist at Holtz Children's Hospital in Miami, writes the following about the Don't Say Gay Bill. This bill has no foundation in the understanding of child development and contradicts recommendations by the American Psychological Association for school environments to be open and affirming. Such affirming school environments decrease negative mental health and substance abuse risks for LGBTQ youth as those who learn about LGBTQ issues are 23% less likely to attempt suicide. Affirming space for the spectrum of gender identity and sexual orientation is suicide prevention. As we know all too well, in the wake of the economic collapse of post-World War I Germany, many minorities, but especially Jews, became a convenient scapegoat for the massive socioeconomic problems facing German society. And the Nazis were able to build political power in part by using hatred and blame of minorities. Give people an enemy to point to and then tell them you will fight that enemy for them. It's an old and cheap trick. And this is what some political leaders in our country are doing today with LGBTQ youth. Also, please note, in case you are getting worried, I am not saying, nor I believe that people pushing these bills forward are Nazis. I am saying that some of our political leaders, shamefully, in my opinion, are using anti-LGBT rhetoric about LGBT young people to build political capital in a way that is not totally dissimilar to right-wing nationalism movements in history, including the German National Socialists. I know it can be easy for me living in San Francisco and serving this congregation to forget what the reality is like for some LGBTQ youth in our country. I'm blessed to currently be working with several LGBTQ B'nai Mitzvah students, and they each have loving and supportive families, teachers, and of course, rabbis. That's not to say 
our LGBTQ kids don't face real challenges, even in San Francisco. But nationally, we remain in a moment in American political discourse in which some people's lives are viewed as expendable for the sake of political expediency. This means that there are children in danger because of dangerous political rhetoric. And we Jews know something about this. Being Jewish does not mean that you need to affiliate with any political party. And I know that we are a diverse, politically diverse congregation, and it is truly something I treasure. But I ask you to seriously consider the ethical demands of the history of the Holocaust, and specifically what those demands articulate about the treatment of minority groups given the history in Germany in the years leading up to the policy of genocide. If political futures are not inevitable, this also means that we can't take anything for granted. While it's true that many of those bills have not passed, some surely have, including devastating bills in Texas, Alabama, and Florida. What's next? What future does this portend for our country, and what are you, with your Jewish memories, going to do about it? We can debate the merits of, for example, liberal and conservative economic and foreign policy and arrive at vastly different yet principled positions. But I do not believe that using minority groups and people's unfounded fears about us can be ethically justified in a Jewish framework. It is an affront to our tradition's commitment to upholding the dignity of all people, and it is an, ab and it is an abandonment of our post-Holocaust moral commitments, especially and including never again. On this 72nd observance of Yom HaShoah, we remember millions, if we can even conceive of such tragedy. Some in our community remember family members. Some in our community are survivors. We are all inheritors of these memories and the ethical imperatives they create. I'll leave you with these words of Elie Wiesel. Wherever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must, at that moment, become the center of the universe. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>